This morning, we're starting a new series, uh, our summer series, and we're calling it Summer of Love. And we're going to kind of take a look at some of the different relationships uh, in the Bible. And uh, we do believe in that there is uh, a lot for us to learn. Uh, there's great relationship advice uh, that can be found in the Bible. And so we're going to explore and learn together. Uh, this morning, we're starting off we're kind of right at the beginning. We're starting off with uh, Adam and Eve. Uh, in Genesis, we, gonna, we get the whole story, uh, how God is setting the scene, how he's preparing the world. Uh, he creates Adam and then makes Eve uh, from Adam's side. And, and sometimes the story of Adam and Eve um, can be portrayed unflatteringly. Uh, we can often joke about or cast our blame or our judgment on them. Um, they are why all these bad things are happening to me. And we make uh, comments like that, unless it's just me. Um, perhaps as some way to relieve uh, myself of some of the shame and guilt I feel, I don't know. But perhaps, um, perhaps it's because the reality that is that my life often mirrors the choices that they chose to make. Uh, as we struggle to choose God's way, uh, when it seems to us that um, maybe we know better, I know better. And, and early on, God sets the base um, for how this relationship um, between Adam and Eve could and should work um, to each other and to God. And so Genesis 1, we get the creation story. And along with God breathing life into Adam... Um, Genesis 2 then goes on, um, Eden is described, and it wasn't yet perfect. Uh, Adam was alone. And so God creates Eve, divine image bearers. And then the latter part of Genesis 2 um, is a common, I guess, wedding passage, maybe. Um, and so you've probably all heard it a few times by now. And it just includes some of the characteristics or I guess, between a husband and a wife. And, and I think there's some good reminders and truths for us in that, for, for us, regardless of relationship status um, and in whatever relationships we're in. And so Genesis 2, uh, 21 to 25, kind of talks about the development of Adam and Eve's relationship. Um, but we're going to be focusing on uh, verses 24 and 25. So verses 24 and 25, um, this explains why a man leaves his father and mother and is joined to his wife and the two are united into one. Now the man and his wife were both naked and they felt no shame. Now there's three things we're going to quickly focus on there to kind of get a, an understanding and a base for relationship. So the first one is they're joined. Uh, there's commitment. First off, um, they were a team. They were united together. They were independent, uh, less reliant on family. And with this comes, I guess, an understanding that, that you defend and you care for one another. You stand up for one another. And, and in Adam and Eve's case, that was quickly put to the test. And, and in reality, it's much like ours often are as well. Relationships require both parties to nurture and protect each other. Um, to protect their relationship. And so commitment is key to Adam and Eve's uh, relationship. Perhaps 
you're like me and have felt the strain on relationships this last year. Uh, it hasn't been easy to uh, navigate differing opinions. Uh, our hearts and our loyalties have been tested. Um, this pandemic has brought uh, some tension probably to our marriages, definitely to our relationships. And we're going to talk a little bit more about that next week as well. But I think each of us has a role to play uh, as we, yeah, just in the relationships we have and are in. Like, as we have conversations, how are we contributing? Are, are we fully committed uh, or just as far as we're comfortable? Um, and so our commitment is deep. It's, uh, and it's to care for the other uh, a lot. Leading into that second thing is intimacy. It, uh, it says that um, the two are united into one. Um, you are one body. That expresses that commitment, um, like just like we talked about. But it goes a step further and uh, expresses an intimacy that exists. Intimacy often addresses the, the a physical component um, in our relationships, but in this case, intimacy involves so much more. It involves a connection spiritually. Like as we grow together, are we, are we growing together? Like shedding the imperfections flake by flake uh, in our becoming like Christ. It involves an emotional connection. To be present and aware of how each other is doing. What each other is going through. And it's also intellectual that we're that we're learning together. Um, all these components uh, bring us to a fuller understanding of what intimacy is. And with intimacy, there's a knowledge of our, of our partners. It's a knowledge of our relationships. And to consider each other's want and desires and needs. It understands the need for selflessness. That you can put your agenda, your thoughts aside for the other that you make decisions together. And this is a lot of work. Uh, as we put in the requirements to better understand uh, those we're in relationship with. But it, but it also creates an environment for growth. One of the key contributors to growth uh, and trust in, involves our vulnerability, our transparency. And that's where the third kind of key uh, piece of relationships comes in. It says... They felt no shame. There was nothing to hide from one another with Adam and Eve. There was such innocence to start. There was no need to cover up or, yeah, because their connections, uh, both emotionally and physically, left no room, really no reason to hide or be insecure. And in a world of putting on masks, in an effort to, I guess, leave the best impression possible, uh, we can often hide things from each other. However, this isn't the case in the garden. This was not the case in the garden. It was like God had set relationships up for success. Um, closeness and intimacy with God, their creator. Commitment, intimacy, transparency with, with each other as well. He had created an environment in the garden where relationship thrived. Thrived between us as image bearers and between us and God. Humanity was off to a great start. 
walking with Jesus, talking throughout the day, living together in the garden, they were experiencing this intimacy with him, experiencing closeness with God. And even in this, in what might you consider, what we might consider like the perfect environment for intimacy and love, Adam and Eve still faltered. They still sinned, still fell. And so often when I'm thinking of, I'm thinking about, or I'm feeling guilty for something I've done, oh, I can come up with a, quickly, I can come up with a list of excuses for my failures. This person responded that way, so I had no choice. Um, If this person had done that instead, I wouldn't have been put in that position. We can come up with all sorts of reasons to justify our actions. And here we read about Adam and Eve's decision to still choose their own path. They pursued their own desires, their own wants, their own needs. And despite God's clear direction and really a great environment for thriving in life, they chose the fruit of knowing good and evil. Instead of a continued unblemished relationship with their creator, God desires for us to choose relationship with him over the alternate, the alternative really of self. And unfortunately, this freedom that we have enables me to too often make decisions that are better for me than they are for us. This decision not only affected Adam and Eve relationship with God, it affected their relationship with one another. And this is so true of our lives um, that the decisions and the choices we make affect those around us. That those we love and care for are often, they often get caught in the crosshairs. Adam and Eve chose to sample the fruit. And it wasn't until eating that apple that they became aware of their insecurities, their shame. They became self-conscious and uncertain. Adam and Eve's identity had been shaken. Then they are faced with the results and the consequences of their decision. How will they respond? Will they apologize quickly? Run from their problems? Blame others? As I thought about this, I was like, there weren't actually too many other people around that they could complain about their partner to. We do find Adam and Eve, we do find Adam hiding and coming up with excuses for the guilt he's feeling. Blame still lies. Adam is quick to point the finger at Eve. Eve blames the serpent. Unwilling to admit their brokenness, they choose blaming each other instead. How quickly things had unraveled. Eden was God's plan for us. How was he going to take this? As I thought about God's response to Adam and Eve, I wondered, I wondered about God's tone of voice. When he calls out, Adam, where are you? Is it, Adam, where are you? Or is it, Adam, where are you? And I think I subconsciously, I add anger to God's tone, tone of voice. Maybe projecting some of my own issues when I become impatient or angry. 
God isn't naive. He understood how he, how he had created us. I think if anything, we misunderstand his love. God knew full well our inability to always choose his path or his way. It was almost like God set himself up to have his heart broken. And yet he continually chooses us time and time again, continues to choose you, continues to choose you, and never giving up on us. Even out of Eden, God would be on a journey to help them get back to the garden. Maybe not the garden specifically, but a place where relationships thrived. Despite living in what feels like a wilderness or a wasteland, God is on a journey to help us recover our identity as his children. And God doesn't want for us to be always hiding in the garden. I think sometimes we desire paradise because we want to escape the pain of life. It's like we want the garden without the sin. And I really hope we desire the garden because that's where Jesus is. That we desire Jesus because of who he is. To know and experience the majesty and love of God unfiltered and undiluted. And this is what God wants for us. His heart is for us. He desires an intimate relationship with us where we experience eternal life together with him. Much like, I guess, what we gave up in the garden. While we might not experience this fullness here on earth, um, this side of eternity, we can experience this life now, uh, even in the presence of pain and hardship. God doesn't give up on us, thankfully, after we mess up. His presence remains, nudging us back towards him. Some of the steps toward back to the garden for us will mean reversing some of the actions that got us in trouble in the first place. This might mean needing to drop the act, to stop hiding, to stop pretending that nothing happened, and to stop coming up with excuses, to admit our need for him and be honest with God and ourselves, to believe and trust that God does have the best for us. These are definitely challenging steps to take, um, but God didn't leave Adam and Eve hanging. Somehow, that they needed to muster up their own strength to do it. Genesis 3.21 says that, that God clothed them for their journey out. After they realized their nakedness, God clothed them. God didn't leave Adam and Eve unprepared for life in the wilderness. And nor does he leave us to just struggle away on our own. Even in their newfound humanity, God was present with Adam and Eve. I want to end with some encouragement for us this morning. I think sometimes we may feel stuck. Like, it feels like we're stuck in the wilderness. Maybe our relationships aren't going as well as we wish they would. But God didn't stay in the garden, waiting for us to somehow find our way back. 
In John uh, 14, uh, verses 16 and 17, says, uh, and I will ask the Father, and he will give you another advocate who will never leave you. He is the Holy Spirit who leads into all truth. The world cannot receive him because it isn't looking for him and doesn't recognize him. But you know him because he lives with you now and later will be in you. Three incredibly cool pieces to that, those verses. He will send another advocate who will never leave us. Always with us. Always helping make an impression on God's heart. Who leads us into all truth. (laughs) When you're struggling to know what is true, turn to him. And it says he lives with you now and later will be in you. To have the Spirit living in us is to have our Creator and our Father living in us. God loves us too much to leave us fending for ourselves in the wilderness. He sent Jesus to earth to show us what living on earth could and should look like. He then gave us the Holy Spirit to comfort and guide us, leading us, directing us. And if we're willing, picking us up, and carrying us back to the garden. God continues to find ways to be with the people he loves. In hopes that one day we can join him in the garden again. So, to your relationships, to your lives, there's hope. There's more in our intimacy with God And there's more and there's hope for our relationships with others. Let's allow God to carry us deeper.